I want to say a few brief words tonight about something we don't really talk about much in our practice, but it's really a, quite an essential part of it, um, and that is the, the practice of being uh, a bodhisattva. Um, a bodhisattva <coughs> is someone who works not just for their own liberation or their own enlightenment or their own happiness, but who um, acts um, in service of the liberation of all people, the well-being of all beings. And uh, <coughs> in Buddhism it's often associated with Mahayana Buddhism in contrast to Theravada Buddhism. But I don't really like getting caught up in a lot of those political, secular kind of divisions in Buddhism. It's a bit silly, really. Um, it's something either that we practice or we're not practicing or we're part of the way there, regardless of um, what school we belong to or whether we're Christian or atheist or otherwise, really. Um, on this topic, um, my teacher, um, Charlotte Joko Beck, in her first book, I think it is Every Day Zen, in the last chapter, I reckon, if you haven't read it, I really recommend you reading it. It's a chapter on this subject and it's extremely funny. Um, and it has some grain of truth in it too in terms of her experience of you know, um, being in a Zen centre. But very briefly, it's about um, these people who hear that there's a train of enlightenment that goes past on this train platform. And if you just sit there long enough, you'll, you'll catch the train of enlightenment. So all these people start sitting you know, really earnestly to try and catch a glimpse of the train of enlightenment. But people sit there for years and years and they never see it go by, but it's a sort of message that will come by one day if you just sit long enough. Anyway, all these people give up their jobs and so on on the platform and they end up creating a little community. And after a while, some people started to you know, started not about their own enlightenment and catching the train. They just became a little bit more concerned about the community and, you know, the, you know creating childminding and having a soup kitchen, you know, a place where people could lie down and rest for a while. And that became their work. Mm -hmm. Bodhisattvas. Mm -hmm. um, I'd recommend you reading it. It's quite a fun book, fun, a fun chapter. Um, <clears throat> with practice, you know, probably we all do start naturally enough with um, being concerned about our own peace, our own serenity, our own happiness and so on. But it doesn't take long, you know, to be, to be doing it for a while and um, to recognise, if you start to recognise the interconnectedness of everything, that the idea of you being happy while others aren't is rather smug. And uh, you realise that um, it's sort of, in a way, there's something that's not complete if you're happy in yourself but other people aren't. It's more like the job's not done. You know. And uh, so that becomes the, the practice of a bodhisattva. You know, just simply in, in everyday language is a practice of giving and a practice of service and a practice of recognising um, suffering and dissatisfaction and, and injustice and so on in the world. When people get caught up in service, um, one of two things can possibly happen. Um, is either 
no, what I should say is when people see suffering in the world, one of two things can happen. Is that we can get overwhelmed by it, or it just seems too big and, and we're not really interested and we can become indifferent to it. Mm -hmm. So the challenge of um, giving, the challenge of compassionate service from the Dharma perspective is to do neither of those two negative things. It's neither remaining indifferent to it, and neither is it becoming overwhelmed in some kind of way. Uh, I remember that Joko was reluctant to kind of talk about this much in her talks because um, people can turn it into an ideal um, rather than that something that's sort of organic, and yet it is at the core of what practice is. Um, when we begin, we kind of think that there's something that we're going to receive or something that we're going to get that's going to make us happier. And yet when we have more of a glimpse of no self, you know, to don't take ourselves quite so seriously, we realise that it's the other way around, actually, that happiness comes from giving. Um, not necessarily just giving to other people, but just giving oneself to the moment, whatever that might be. Giving oneself to walking. Um, giving in some kind of act of kindness. Um, but it's in the act of giving um, where the true happiness occurs. What happens though when we um, try to be so good mm -hmm. and turn it into an ideal? Sometimes it comes out, to use a modern psychological term, as a kind of codependence. Um, codependence being a, a name that refers to kind of unwise giving, um, where if you look at it from a Zen perspective, often really has um, a self-centred kind of motive in it, rather than it's just a sort of total kind of giving over regardless of the consequences. And what happens, we all start from that place, but if we become grounded in practice, um, we start to give just for the sake of giving more. And just as we refer to, at least in the talks I give and other ordinary minds and teachers give about pursuing happiness, pursuing generosity or compassion as an ideal doesn't quite work. Um, what I think works is dealing with it indirectly, is becoming very aware of our experiences in everyday life when we recognise uh, in ourselves unkindness, you know, when we recognise in ourselves stinginess, mm -hmm. it's simply becoming aware of that aspect. And if we become aware of it in a, not in a judgmental way, but just simply noticing it over and over again, I think it's through that more organic process that giving naturally starts to happen in that organic way. There's a koan about bodhisattva, and you know the, um, the, uh, the statue of the bodhisattva of compassion you see in Buddhist books where we'll call it she, it looks like a she, so a she in this instance, she has many eyes and many ears and many arms and many hands, and the, the symbolism is, is that she's um, helping all these people simultaneously. And hearing the sounds of the suffering in the world simultaneously all at the same time. And the, the monk asked the question, how is it that the Bodhisattva of Compassion can use all those hands and eyes and arms at once? 
And the teacher said, it's like reaching for a pillow in the night. Sounds like a, one of those paradoxical statements, but the teacher really meant it as he said it. It's like reaching for a pillow in the night. It's something that just happens naturally. But you don't even really think that you're doing it. You wouldn't even know that you're a bodhisattva. But that's the given name to it. Um, my friend and fellow teacher Ezra Bader, um, in a little uh, uh, essay he wrote once, um, referred to being a white bird in the snow, the saying that comes from um, a Zen poem. To be a white bird in the snow is to give inconspicuously. No one would know that you were there. No one necessarily know that you're doing the giving. That, in a sense, is um, the Bodhisattva spirit. But uh, along with meditation and along with um, precepts and along with insight, um, that, that essence of uh, giving oneself, um, and in particular giving oneself with the intention of reducing um, suffering in the world around us, is at the core of the practice. And it doesn't necessarily take the form of being a, <clears throat> a political activist saving whale. It might be something that you do as a mother or a father or as a neighbour or as a friend. You do it within the circumstances in which we find ourselves in our life. I guess that's what the archetype of the Bodhisattva does. You know, it, 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 literally it means that the one who hears the, hound, the sounds of suffering in the world. So it's not, I'm mixing my metaphors here, but it's not turning a blind eye to it. It's not ignoring it, like it's happening. You know, that's, that's the daring of this one. And, um, and sometimes that's all we can do. And then in other situations, we can actually act on it in some way as well. But the, but the first act is to act, actually not shy away from it and to, to meet it, the reality of it. And I guess if um, enough people bear witness to something which is unjust or which creates suffering, um, maybe it leaves some leads to some potential of a shift occurring. And it is that, it is that sort of edge of um, not ignoring, not being indifferent, and not being overwhelmed. Mm. And it's not, a, it's not necessarily, it's not a pleasant experience, mm. but um, as Thich Nhat Hanh was saying in that, that reading that Moira selected tonight, um, is that we find um, peace within the suffering of the world. That's separate from it. So even though that we can experience the anguish of people um, being murdered, people who don't have enough to eat, all of those problems that go on, you know, endlessly, um, that we, we can find a kind of in the midst of that. I think sometimes 
always giving and receiving happen from the same act. And it was actually um, Gandhi who said once, you know, because he he um, he's a bodhisattva in his own way, giving to people. And he said, "I'm actually the greatest recipient of the giving because I become liberated through this." But even in close relationships like marriages and friendships and families and so on, um, codependency, the way we use that giving in a negative sense, occurs really when often when people um, have the ability to give, but they don't have the ability to receive and then they run dry. And it's really not having a clear insight into the interconnectedness of everything. Everything is giving and receiving at the same time. Something dies and it nurtures something else. An animal dies from the bush and it nurtures something else. Something gives, something receives all the time. And if we're not acting out of that position of seeing that interconnectedness, that's what can lead to burnout. If you act from that position, actually it's rare that you experience burnout. You're getting, you're getting recharged and you're giving all the time. You don't get tired, but you don't get burned out. Okay, that's enough for me for tonight. <laughs>